you find out what jobs your body is not doing well and how that potentially leaves you exposed and what you need to do to plug a gap to live to 120. Mm -hmm. Because my belief is, if you look at the actual physical hardware, the structure of what we call telomeres that are the protective caps to our DNA, they look like they've been designed to last 120 years. Which to me says that we should live to 120 with good health, and it's the poor choices we make that take years away. But we don't know what choices to make unless you first look at your biology and your DNA. This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. Here, we explore the taboo questions people think but don't ask out loud. Questions that need nuanced answers, not just Google results. These are the conversations you thought you'd never get to have. The goal is to inspire curiosity within yourself and the world around you. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. This week, we tap into the frustration of being well in a modern world as we ask, does our body come with a hidden instruction manual? According to my guest, it's our DNA that opens up actionable pathway for those who are looking for precise answers. He covers why DNA isn't just about your great-great-granddad, how it could be influencing your behavior, the public versus private sector, and data versus structured evidence. It's so crazy how specific you can get about how to feel better from just knowing your DNA information. If you end up liking this episode, you'll also like the one I did with the biohacker, about how cold showers could improve your memory. It's episode 167. And lastly, if you've enjoyed a couple episodes of the show, it would be so awesome if you could tap those stars on the Apple Podcast app. I know that leaving a full written review feels like another item on your already very long to-do list, so don't worry about it. You can just tap those stars at a stoplight and it will help a ton. All right, friends, keep it curious. The average American spends over $30,000 a year on healthcare and is on four prescriptions. And yet, most of us are not exactly thriving. And with death by medical error as the third leading cause of mortality in the US, our modern healthcare system feels a lot more like a risky game of medical whack a mole. We all wish we could make more accurate health choices, but it's not like there's a manual for each human body. Or is there? My next guest believes healthcare should be about not waiting to get sick. After watching his father's health deteriorate and eventually cause an early death, he found himself as the head of his household at age 17. Naturally driven, he became successful, but he also became plagued with five chronic conditions. When doctors had shrugs for answers, he found himself pushed down the path of human biology and DNA as he sought to understand how his body worked. He attended classes at Harvard, interviewed functional medicine doctors, partnered with a number of clinics, and even got involved in the healthcare industry. He not only cured himself, but he founded the DNA company and Unutrients to help others do the same. Today, he's going to share how decoding your DNA could unlock your own healthcare manual as we explore the thought Treatment is great, but why are we sick? Problem solver, wellness entrepreneur, medical industry disruptor, Kashif Khan. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. I'm listening to you. I'm like, I want to meet that guy. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Dude, next to you, I feel like such a slug. Like your resume of all the things that you've accomplished, all the things that you've overcome. I mean, 
I feel good about myself if I wake up at, you know, 5 a.m., but you're over here killing it and and for a super good cause. So, yeah, <laughs> on behalf of all of us, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Well, thank you. So I I know that you talk a lot about your DNA results in your book and that, in fact, that drive to do whatever's next, the drive to yeah. accomplish the next thing is as you found out, a part of your DNA. That surprised me. Can you talk about that? This mapping of the sort of cognitive function, executive function of the mind was an unintentional byproduct of trying to solve clinical problems because in order to learn, we had to meet with patients. In order to deal with patients, you have to talk to them. And when you're talking to them, we're starting to find that these genetic traits consistently display the same behaviors, the phenotype, as we call it, the physical manifestation. And if you take me, for example, there's a gene called DRD2 that determines how dense the receptors of dopamine are in your brain. So your ability to actually feel intensity of pleasure or reward. There's another gene called MAO, which is responsible to metabolize or break down the dopamine. And there's a third gene called COMP, which is like this broom that sweeps it up after it's metabolized. So my DRD2 gene is the worst possible, so sparse density. I, I can't bind dopamine properly. And my MAO and COMP are extremely fast, overly efficient. So I'm feeling things way down here. There's no intensity. And the duration is like that. It's gone. So I'm prime wired for a status quo depression because nothing's good. I can't get no satisfaction. The world sucks. <laughs> or... I find something that gives me a sense of pleasure and I become an addict. Mm -hmm. Or dopamine doesn't only power pleasure, it also powers reward, achievement. I could become highly entrepreneurial. And guess what? I've experienced all three of these things. And this is where we learn that who you are is a combination of your genome, your wiring, whether it's hormones, brain, detox, speech, whatever, plus your habits, your, your environment, nutrition, your lifestyle. When you put those together, it equals your net result. And that's kind of how I unraveled all of my health mysteries and what we talk about in the book and why I think everybody can do the same. Well, it's so fascinating to me that behavior was even a part of the equation. Like you said, it was kind of an accident. Yeah. But when you think about behavior and mental health, they really are at most distant cousins, right? Because your mm -hmm. behavior, it, it fuels how you feel. Like you said, the dopamine. And yep. when you're feeling in a negative way or you're in a negative behavioral pattern, you have to leverage behavior or, as you said, habits to change course. And so I like mm -hmm. in the book how you talk about behaviors are genetically driven, but variation lies in the habits. So for you, when you found out that you have this very unique layout primed for addiction, but also primed for accomplishment. Did it change your habits at all? There's times where in terms of gene expression, meaning turning the dial on the gene to make it slower or faster, I might actually take a supplement to elevate my dopamine levels so I actually can relax and spend time with the family. It was my birthday yesterday, by the way. Oh, happy late birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I literally needed to be able to be present and enjoy that with the family, my mom, my sister, my everybody. So I know that L-theanine is an upregulator of dopamine. Meanwhile, I don't want that when I go to work because my warrior mentality is what keeps me on the front lines driving everything forward. And I want that, that reward-seeking behavior. 
So it becomes a question of here's who I am. If I turn the dial this way because of these habits, here's the outcome. And if I turn it the other way, here's the outcome. Now, what's my goal? That is right? so And you can start to play around with those, those dials. Well, I didn't even realize that there was a supplement that would increase your dopamine levels, first of all. And second of all, you're like the ultimate biohacker. But it's in <laughs> it's like you've taken out all the trial and error of ice baths yeah. and barefoot walks in the forest, and you've really made it more precise in your process. And uh, that's really incredible. I don't know why everyone is, isn't pursuing this. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time in the biohacking community, I, and this is exactly it, is there's all these amazing solutions out there that you're seeing on Instagram and TikTok and conferences. What do I need? I don't need all of it, right? And where do I start? What's the priority? What's the lowest hanging fruit that if I do that one thing, whatever my major pain point is, is my most likely result? Mm -hmm. And what are my red flags in the future? Where, where's that GPS that's showing me here's what's coming? Right. Do I need to worry about dementia and Alzheimer's? Do I need to worry about breast cancer? Okay, if I do, what's the root cause and what do, how do I intervene today? So it's exactly like you said. You're either stuck dealing with something or you're worried about the future. And then there's these podcasts and everything you're doing and you're doing everything. And so you don't need trial and error. You don't need one size fits all. And you don't need most of what you're doing. There's very little usually internally that isn't firing properly. Most of your body is probably homeostatic and doing good jobs, but the one or two key areas that are falling apart is the hub for all these folks of migraines, brain fog, mood issues. Resolve that and all the symptoms go away. It, it starts with knowing, right? So it's exactly like you said, and this is why we work with the biohacking community at large to help them pick that one thing that's going to turn the dial the most. So how does it work? How much data can you actually get from one test? Well, in terms of test and data, I have a very different view than the genetic industry. So the genetic industry is more and more. I test 500 genes. I test 1,000 genes. I test 10,000 genes. And there's that competition for data. And my question to them is, how many lives have you changed? Data is dumb unless you know what question to ask it. Insights. What do I do with this information? Tell me what's wrong and how do I fix it? It should be that simple. And in that context, there's really only about 100 genes out of the 22,000 that matter, that are functional, that are actionable. I don't need a gene to tell me if my eye is blue or brown. I can use a mirror for that. <laughs> yeah. Abel, that's, what you know, sorry to interrupt you. This sort of speaks yeah. to our narcissism, right? Ooh, yeah. tell me all about myself, even if it's not yeah. helpful at all or actionable. We just yeah. want someone to look into our soul and tell us what's there. Exactly. And meanwhile, it really comes down to a few core systems. And if you have these systems operating at their optimal, it's very, very difficult, difficult to get sick. And what are they? Mood and behavior, everything about the brain and how you perceive the world and how the world perceives you. So you're not feeling things like anxiety, burnout, stress, procrastination, that you feel good. Chronic disease and aging. Why would you get cardiovascular disease or Alzheimer's dementia? And it's not about you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. That's genetics. It's more, here's the hardware failure that may lead to Alzheimer's based on these genetics if you have these habits. But if you have these habits, it won't happen. And I, we can speak with that level of certainty, right? Then there's diet and nutrition. Should I be vegan? Do I go keto, paleo? What am I doing? Well, the metabolic pathways are all determined genetically. So I know how efficiently I use fat as fuel. Do I make enzymes to make beans, lentils, and chickpeas, efficient protein sources for me. Should I actually be a vegan or not? 
that big question gets answered. Number four is hormones, which especially for women is a big sleeper. Oh, you're supposed to have hormone problems. You're a woman. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the medical answer right now. When in fact, that very gray area should be black and white. The hormone cascade has been mapped out genetically. So we know what's going on inside during that 28 day menstrual cycle and what choices you should make. And it's not the same for every woman. The hormone cascade looks very different. Then it's everything about immunity and cellular health. Like you said, number three cause of death in the U.S. is medical error. The other 14 of the top 15, by the way, if you take away medical error, are all, every single one of the top 14 killers, other than medical error out of 15, are all rooted in inflammation. Every single one of them. So if you don't have inflammation, you've just eliminated the top 15 killers because even medical error is rooted in inflammation. You wouldn't have gone to the doctor if you weren't sick. Right? So now it's cellular health and understanding that even that is unique. Do I need to worry about airborne toxins like mold, pesticides, chemicals, or do I do really well with that genetically? Is my gut protecting me from food-related toxins? Do I deal with inflammation well, what we call methylation? So you can start to pinpoint exactly the broken biology and how to fix it. And the last component of all this is sleep, where again, another unintentional thing, we weren't looking for a sleep gene, but in our clinical research phase, everyone that we were working on kept saying, my sleep is better. My sleep is better. My sleep unintentionally. Because if you fix biology and get things at their baseline like they should be, you're going to sleep better. And sleep isn't as simple as I can't sleep. It's I can't fall asleep. I can't stay asleep. I sleep through the night, but I wake up not rested. Those are genetically three very different things. And you need to resolve, solve it more precisely. You combine all that and you can now use this for the context of longevity. Because in these systems, you find out what jobs your body is not doing well and how that potentially leaves you exposed and what you need to do to plug a gap to live to 120. Because mm -hmm. my belief is, if you look at the actual physical hardware, the structure of what we call telomeres that are the protective caps to our DNA, they look like they've been designed to last 120 years. Which to me says that we should live to 120 with good health, and it's the poor choices we make that take years away. But we don't know what choices to make unless you first look at your biology and your DNA. Oh my gosh, and I'm thinking about parents right now. I know a handful of parents who are just tortured with the barrage of decisions and inefficiencies in the medical area for their kid. You know, their kid has problems. There's no answers. We don't know. Test after test, going to this hospital, that hospital, and, and they've got no solutions. I could totally see how this would be a huge relief potentially for a parent of a chronically sick yeah. kid. Let me tell you about my son. My middle son, I got three kids. So this kid was told and his parents, me and his mom were told that he has ADHD. Right. And he's going to potentially need medication, different kind of coaching. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Right. So I started to look into his genetics and I didn't look for an ADHD gene. This is the way, this is where I think genetics has it wrong. Disease centric thinking. I just started to look at his biology and what jobs does his body not do well? And then the environment, nutrition, lifestyle factors that could equal what they're describing. So what did I find is that the AMY1 gene, your ability to actually metabolize starches, he had the worst possible. His uh, TCF7L2 gene, insulin response, worst possible. Homework was being done after dinner in a South Asian home where rice was served almost daily. So this kid was in a coma. He was, in a, he was having a carb cry 
because he was fed the exact thing on a daily basis that he could metabolize, putting him into a carb crash and then being told, go do your homework. The same thing was happening at school. You know, your sandwiches and your breads and your starches and your carbs could not metabolize them. Now, on top of that, his serotonin is completely dysregulated. So serotonin is a neurochemical that allows you to sort of offer a mood that's relevant to the situation, whether it's happy, sad, angry, whatever, you're, you're, you're appropriate for the incoming stimulus. It also allows your brain to prioritize stimulus. And his serotonin dysregulation, which should have been a superpower, which I'll explain, turned into his kryptonite because he was already teetering on problematic feeling from the starch and insulin issue. And so because his brain can prioritize stimulus, it's not that he had attention deficit. He had hyperattention. Mm. He was giving attention to every little next thing. He noticed <laughs> things that people didn't even know were there. So now recontextualize this into you have this ability to say, see every little detail. And your teacher and your peers don't see those details. So they don't value them. You should be analytical. You should be like, go ahead, do that rapid old dive and you'll see everything and you'll do a better job. But just keep it to yourself because the rest of the world doesn't see it. Mm -hmm. So now combine those two things. We've solved the root cause is that metabolically, he was fed at the wrong time, the wrong food. And cognitively, he had a superpower, which was seeing the world at a higher level of detail which put that in a context of working amongst other people looks like attention deficit because he gave everything attention that he shouldn't. So he had to learn how to behave. He doesn't have a problem anymore. And it was, it was really that straightforward. That's incredible. Why do you think it is that as a society, we have become to, in a place where it's so normal for us to outsource our wellness and continue to be sick without questioning anything? That's what we've been taught, right? Even the who is your quarterback to your health? It's your, usually your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. And that's also what they've been taught. Not long ago, what we call modern medicine is, I think, the alternative. We, for many thousands of years, we had a different system that worked, which was the maintenance of health as opposed to the masking of illness. And we don't do that anymore. So now what we're told and what we believe is go do whatever you want. And when you break yourself, it's a doctor's job to fix you, right? As opposed to here's how your body works. And this is what's going to break you. Don't do it. And by the way, the food doesn't have minerals anymore. So add minerals. And by the way, the water is toxic. So filter it. And by the way, the hormones are disrupting our young daughters who are getting their periods at eight years old now. So learning all of these things that our environment, our food, our relationships even, are not what we're wired for. And to sort of give you a truly contextualize this, our DNA is 250,000 years old has not changed, right? So the way that you and I are wired and everyone listening, our body still thinks that we are cave people walking out of a cave, <laughs> plucking things out of the ground and stabbing a buffalo with a blade and eating it fresh. That's all we are wired for in terms of detox capacity, inflammation capacity, relationships, community, all of the stuff that we now do is a complete misalignment. So it's no wonder we have a $4 trillion healthcare industry. It's no wonder that literally 90%, this is the actual number, is spent on chronic disease management. Clinically, as part of our health learning, we're told just do what you want and there'll be a pill for it. And that's what most people believe is true. That's the challenge. It is the challenge. I, I have observed that more people are, are going, yeah, okay, what else is there? You know, people that yeah. have the emotional capacity, because it is taxing, to not mm -hmm. have a playbook. So that's kind of why I was interested in what you were doing because 
it's gosh, yeah, it'd be so great to have a playbook. You know, mm. here's recommended nutrition plan. Here's your recommended supplements. Here's your recommended mm-hmm. environmental suggestions. Like I read that you had problems detoxifying your system from environmental things like yeah. carpet glue and stuff like that. And it'd be so nice to have this instruction manual from this data. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. It's that time of year for front porch pumpkins and football barbecues. But here in the southern U.S., mosquitoes can still be an unwanted part of the equation. I've been using Insects Mosquito Service since 2019, and I love that they guarantee their work. And pollinators are always top of mind. Don't wait to get on their schedule. If you're in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give Insec a call, ensec.net. This time of year is my favorite time to travel, but just because the weather is cooler doesn't mean the need for hydration is not a thing. My husband and I have been using Liquid IV since 2019, and we love it as our airplane travel companion. We don't have to pack extra bulky drinks and certainly don't have to pay extra at the airport for them. Instead, we just bring a little packet that we can easily put in a water bottle and it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. I recommend the strawberry lemonade flavor. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code CURIOUS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code curious at liquidiv.com. Don't pick another boring venue for your next work event. Check out one of the Pensacola Historic Trust 12 museums. If you watch the show on YouTube, you see the beautiful backdrop of Trader John's, the exhibit where I record the show inside the Pensacola Museum of History. Booking an event with the Trust will not just be memorable for your guests, it will support the efforts to keep Pensacola's historic charm preserved. And if you're planning a trip here and need an indoor activity option, pick up a ticket in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Learn more at historicpensacola.org. Now back to the show. Remember to stay till the end where I give you a sneak peek of next week's episode. But I wanted to ask you about data privacy, because as I alluded to earlier about the narcissism that we all have and everyone so excited about their 23andMe data results, there's insurance companies are purchasing that data. There's no laws yeah. protecting it. Have you ever been approached by an insurance company to purchase your DNA data? Early on, we were actually first approached by a pharma company. I'm in Toronto, Canada. And Canada, the laws are a lot more protective for the consumer. In the U.S., it's an open playing field. But we were approached by a pharma company that wanted to build personalized drugs around some research that we were doing about cancer and cardiovascular health. So we didn't do that. And our belief is simple, that genetics have been pigeonholed into this disease masking industry as well. Like just everything else around healthcare. This thing that we have that's the most personalized way to approach our health was, has been depersonalized. It's, it's being shoved into the one-size-fits-all trial-and-error clinical study bucket, right? And that only works for masking disease. So we want to be that entity that allows people to mine their data and get the insights. And in order to do that, the data that I now have, the pharma companies and insurance companies don't even want because mm. it's not mass data. It's curated very little, but there's more coming out of that little. We had to make a conscious choice. 
do we do what everyone else is doing, which is get your DNA and sell it to someone because there's 10 or 20x the revenue on that? Or do we get your DNA and give you everything you need and then you live with us as a patient? And that's a long-term game, but it's a more meaningful game. And that's what we chose to do. We decided we'll fix the problem instead of being part of it. I mean, they don't want it now. (laughs) I mean, who's to say that down the road, there won't be insurance companies with advanced algorithms that say, ooh, this type of person with this sort of gene combination is really not a good candidate for long-term care insurance. What protections does the DNA company have to assure customers that none of their information is ever sold or shared? But there's the answer to that, and then I'm going to tell you more about what you said. Okay. So (laughs) so in straightforward terms, it's in our agreements that we don't sell data, we we anonymize it, we aggregate it, it doesn't even exist as you as a person, right? So in order to give you the output we do, which is dive into your genome and learn about sleep, learn about your brain, the algorithm already sorts it all. So it's anonymized, aggregated, never sold. That's in the terms and conditions. Now, what you said about what's coming in terms of, you know, insurance companies, healthcare companies are going to learn the way we think. And they're going to start to understand that, oh, we actually can predict breast cancer and not only predict, but be very specific as to why. What's also coming at the same time is genetic therapeutics. So genetic therapeutics means right now, what's the option? I tell you that you make too much estrogen and you make a toxic version of it and the very specific detox pathway that detoxifies that you're not doing well. So I might tell you you're at risk of breast cancer at the menopause age when you no longer have a menstrual cycle to eliminate that toxic estrogen you make every month. And guess what? Your body is intelligent. It doesn't want your organs and your vasculature, your veins getting damaged. So it stores toxins and fat. And this is what happens. This is why women get breast cancer and menopause for the most part, not always, because you no longer have a cycle. You're storing this toxic byproduct and fat in your breasts. Glands and ducts would, as a cellular structure, get inflamed and damaged and, and carcinogenic, right? So now I can tell you all that today. What's coming is genetic therapeutics, meaning I can give you a shot that will actually edit your gene. Yeah. So right now, the answer is take this supplement to support sure detox pathways. Do not take the birth control pill. Do not get on a very specific hormone replacement therapy. You have to be precise about which one to take. Things like that to slow down that estrogen toxicity and support the detox. We're going to intervene on environment, nutrition, lifestyle. What's coming is genetic therapeutics, which is we're just going to edit the gene so that you don't make that toxic estrogen anymore. Now go ahead and take as many birth control pills as you want. It's not a pipe dream. I can tell you a scientist that I'm working with that is doing it today, right? There's a, there's a gene called FOXL3, which is a longevity gene. So this whole process of cellular senescence and dying off of cells and then the reproduction of new cells, we're constantly doing this. FOXL3 determines in a nutshell how efficiently we do this. So some people with a really good version of FOXL3 are like, aging really slowly because they're so ahead of this dying off of mutating cells, right? So they just age slower. What if we can just edit everybody's FOXL3 gene so they all have it, the good version, and we all age slower? There's a somebody in Toronto where I am doing that today, and it's working. So that same technology is going to be applied to all of these major conditions. We just need to know what to target. I don't know. Yeah. That sketches me out a little bit. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that. But now that it's, it's just like any other novel technology, whoever's hands it's in determines the outcome, 
this could be used for incredible good or some fairly nefarious problematic scenarios. Which leads me to my next question about private sector versus government, because as you know, this is all so much fun to talk about. I looked into like the price points on the DNA company. It's actually pretty affordable for what the claims are, right? But I don't know. We all want just easier access to healthcare. We don't want to spend 30, 40 grand a year on health stuff that, and then we're not even healthy. So in your opinion, should stuff like this, this advanced DNA therapies, testing, insights, counseling, be private sector? Or would it be better if there was like a government version of it? If our authorities truly had the right motivations and said we have our citizens' tax dollars to spend on their health, so we should keep them healthy, then this would already be happening. Because if I know this, there's people much smarter than me that also know this. It's not a secret, right? And I've been in conversations with the FDA, with Health Canada, where I live. I've sat in groups where there's a bunch of pharma companies and then there's me sitting there talking to the health ministers. And it's, wow, this is incredible and doesn't go anywhere because the lobby is so powerful. So we're in a state where the question of public versus private, that line's blurred already. What is public and private? Try and show me. There's no difference. 75% of FDA's funding comes from pharma companies. Oh, that's true. How is how does it public? Is it a privately funded entity? And right now, Health Canada is trying to ban the use of supplements. They're trying to say that doctors should not recommend vitamin D or C because they're not evidence-based. And if you look at the data, 10,000 Canadians a year die of some pharmaceutical in- intervention mishap. They started tracking since 1964 what nutraceuticals are doing to people. Since 1964, zero deaths, not one reported. If you go look at PubMed, which is where all the publications for scientific research are, it's a big resource. And you look at Lipitor, the number one prescribed drug, the statin for cholesterol. I think there's like 11 or 12,000 publications. You look at vitamin D, there's 99,000 publications, almost 10 times the amount. And they're saying it's not evidence-based. There's no research. So this is where things are going when that line gets blurred. And and it is truly blurred right now, more than ever before. If it wasn't blurred, our water would be different, our food would be different. China does not allow the import of American bread. (laughs) Right? Because it has potassium bromine in it, which is what you make yoga mats out of. Yeah. And I can go on and on. We can spend another hour talking about this (laughs) stuff because you lift the fire. But... That's the challenge is you don't have the right motivations. Nobody's trying to solve the problem. It's too profitable. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Bring up such good points. And it it kind of reinforces the idea that you can't rely on other people's motivations, that that is not a hope is not a plan. That's kind of like my slogan is you can't hope that other people have your best interest in mind. You have to you have to be your primary care provider. You have to be, you know, that point person. In your interview with Jay Alders, you said the way you access knowledge has changed because of this access to precision medicine, DNA data that informs your different choices. How do you envision somebody who is informed in that way 
having different conversations with their mainstream doctors. The good news is the mainstream doctors are already getting, they're already motivated to go in this direction. Not all of them, but more than ever before. Because they see, they know, they, they themselves are jaded and distressed with what they do. And I can't tell you how many doctors I know that have quit their lucrative, very safe and secure jobs to go study functional medicine or naturopathy and start over again. We work with many, many clinics and supply them. And I can't tell you how many are MDs that just don't want to do it anymore. Right. So when you don't have the outcomes and you're, you're handcuffed to a very limited toolkit and you know, there's a better answer. And you know that you've had in eight years of schooling, four year, four hours of nutrition training. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they don't. So that movement, good news is happening within, within the clinicians. But in order to have that conversation with your practitioner, I would say, excuse me, show me the evidence. Is this evidence-based? And evidence isn't about the evidence. It's about the moat that's put around pharmaceuticals to prevent anyone else from coming in. Because in order to get the evidence, you have to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. I could cure, I could cure 100 people tomorrow. That is not evidence. It has to be structured in a certain format. And the structure is more important than the data, which to me is absurd. If, if you anecdotally have cured 10,000 people of something, but your, stu- your study wasn't structured the way you need to do it because you don't have $10 million to spend, that data is useless to people. So that's the thing that I would push these guys towards is find the doctors who are speaking out, who do have the podcasts, who do have the information, that are putting the evidence because there's more and more than ever before where, where the data is there. That's the only way they'll accept it because that's what they've been taught. They don't want their license to be lost. Right? Yeah. Obviously, people would benefit greatly from reading your book, The DNA Way. How can they get their DNA tested? And then how can they possibly work with you on more of a consulting? Because it's one thing to get the data. It's another thing to yeah. implement the habits. For sure. Yeah, so the, 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 there's two answers to there. One is me as an individual, and then there's the test. So I am the founder of the DNA company, but I also operate separately in terms of my private consulting because I do a lot of corporate and celebrity type stuff, professional athletes. And so that's not in the purview of the company itself. So if you go to thednacompany.com, you'll find the test, right? And in fact, I respect everyone for joining and learning and wanting to get better. So let's create some kind of discount code for everybody. I'll make sure. So we'll share that in the notes, right? That'd be amazing. I'll get that done. I'll make a note to do that after we're done here. So use that code. So go to the dnacompany.com. We'll come up with a forward slash something and you'll get a, a better price there. We'll make sure you get that. Now to work with me, I do it in three forms. So first of all, I, I, I do do like celebrity work, you know, athlete, CEO type stuff. And obviously you can imagine the budget and the time and it, the personalization there, what that's like. So how do I work with everybody? I just recently realized I can do it in a group setting and I've done this corporately where I've had several hundred people on the call with their DNA and we go through it and they all get amazing benefits. So I'm launching that fairly soon. And if you go to my Instagram, official, K-A-S-H-K-H-A-N official, you'll see announcements for that. And you'll also, the website will be the same, cashconofficial.com. You can also, I mean, go to the DNA company, get the test. There's clinicians and coaches there that can also work on programs. But if you want to work with me, go to Cash Going Official. Perfect. Thank you so much. This was such a great discussion. And I think it really opens up an 
an actionable pathway for those who are looking for real answers, precise answers, and are just ready to put in the work that yields the results. So I appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a biohacker on how cold showers could improve your memory. It's episode 167. And you know, they say that word of mouth is still the best way to grow a podcast. So since you made it this far, now is a great time to take a screenshot and share about it on social media. Be sure to tag me. I'm at Meredith for real. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a gender expert about parenting your partner. What to do when one person seems like the only adult in the house and can it be reversed?